Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host, PK. How are you doing tonight? Absolutely fantastic. I've been just enjoying a nice, beautiful day. The weather is not too hot. It's cooled off in the morning. I could walk outside and breathe. I can't believe I'm still in Arizona. (laughs) Wow. That's terrific. For sure. Way I know, you know, we had way overdue. Well, same here. We've been having rain, rain, rain in the northeast and it's been like the summer that wasn't. And today was a perfect day. It was like heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. And I went outside to just relax a little bit around four o'clock and sat down on one of my lounge chairs and I just fell right to sleep and it was heavenly. It was wonderful. The weather couldn't have been more perfect, not a cloud in the sky, and no rain on the horizon for at least a couple of days, so that's a good thing. So we well, both had good good weather days, huh? Yeah. Great. Way overdue, kiddo. Way overdue. Oh, I know it. I know it. So what do you got for us tonight? What's happening? Well, I was taking a look at a couple of things. You know, from October 1st to December 31st, doesn't matter what your personal year is, but that's a bridge period. And we've been in a universal seven year, and we're getting ready to go into the eight. The seven deals with the spiritual side, the eight about investments and such. But for those of us unfamiliar with or skeptical about numerology, just remember that there's nothing new under the sun here. Everything we do revolves around numbers, whether it's a house number, phone number, our social security, driver's license, credit cards, bank accounts. Your life starts with numbers the moment you're born. You've got your number with your birthday. So in October, it's always an interesting month because October marks the start of the last quarter of the current year, which has been all about our spiritual side and not quite sure what or who to trust. We've seen a lot of that this year. But it's a time Mm -hmm. for wrapping things up. So while at the same time of wrapping things up, it's going to be giving us a preview of what to expect for the coming year. So keep your eyes open. Pay attention. We're getting, shall we say, good information of what we really need to be taking a look at for the coming year. So if anybody has questions about it, they can always send me an email. I'll answer back. Excellent. And you can find PK's email at supernaturalgirlswithaz.com, and you can also find her at patriciakirkman.com. So uh, please feel free to reach out. Both of us love to answer questions and help you guys along the way. 
And I also wanted to direct you back to our homepage, supernaturalgirls.com, where we have those wonderful vitamins that are liquid, not pills, and they're liposomal so that they are absorbed so much more easily. And so they're great products. Take a look at those. Also, the Air Energy Machine made in Germany. Just a phenomenal. I was just talking to somebody who has a severe lung issue, and I was telling him, look, you got to get this machine. They have one for personal use. What a lot of people don't know is that when you're on oxygen, it you develop in your system all these free radicals. That's not a good thing. So the energy machine is compact. It's all in one. You don't need an oxygen tank. You don't need an oxygen concentrator. And you don't get any free radicals from the treatment. So it's a photosynthesized oxygen. It's remarkable. And we do have a page you can go to and learn all about it at Energy US on Facebook. But it is remarkable. Now, in Europe, they use it for a number of things that uh, the FDA doesn't allow people in the United States to talk about. But in Europe, they're getting great results with a range of illnesses. And also, it seems to work in Europe. For anti-aging, which we all need to to jump on that train. I'll take two of those. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And, of course, Dr. Weber, who was a stellar guest on our show, talking about all of his inventions with red laser light. Uh, That's on our page, so you can take a look at that. He's always inventing something new. I can't wait to see what he's going to come out with next. But his latest is the Endo Band, which looks like a smartwatch. But it does so much more than that, and you can read about that. Just click on the link. It'll take you right to all the information. Anything that you buy on our website, you will get. We're, going to, we're trying to get it set up. I believe it is finally set up now. You'll get a discount. We do not sell these products ourselves, so you're not buying them from us. You're just buying directly from the company. But we've negotiated a, mm-hmm. a discount for everybody, and at Anything helps in today's economy where you can get some money off a product. So I also wanted to, yeah, <laughs> got to count those shekels. So anyways, next week we're going to be doing a different time slot. I wanted to let everybody know now. We are going to be uh, broadcasting at 10 o'clock at night. And the reason is because we have a very special guest coming on. He hasn't been with us in a number of years but he's been on a couple times in years past. Dr. J, Matthew mm-hmm. Johnson, is going to be on. Now, he has two books out about his experiences with Bigfoot. He is a clinical psychologist who had this experience years ago, and the local television station put him on uh, the news, and he began talking about his experiences. Well, since then, so much has happened. It's just an incredible story. Apparently, uh, they like this guy a lot. Now, keep in mind, Dr. J is 6'9". I swear, Bigfoot like big people like him. I think it's a thing with Bigfoot. So, anyways, um, he has a he and his wife Cynthia have a beautiful home with lots of land. I believe it's in Washington or Oregon, one of those places. And they have regular sittings where the Bigfoot come around. But there's also been something else coming around. The FBI has been coming around. (laughs) And he's got some interesting stories Mm. to tell 
about the FBI going through their home, uh, you know, spying on them in their yard when they're doing sittings at night. It's just unbelievable. It is not unlike our interviews with Robert Luca and talking about all of the uh, the surveillance he and his wife right. Betty were under for such a long time. So now we're hearing about this from the Bigfoot clan. So we're going to find out everything we can. It's going to be a fascinating show. Uh, Matt is going to send us some audio clips we'll be able to play, and I will get some photographs that I will post prior to the show. It's going to be fascinating. So put it on your calendar. It's a little bit later than usual. And, of course, all of our shows are archived. So as soon as we are finished broadcasting live, our show goes out to iHeart and Apple and everybody else, and you can listen to it at your convenience. So if you miss a live show, you can pick it up whenever you want. It'll be there waiting for you. So next week, 10 o'clock, Dr. J. So tonight, we're kicking off Spooky October. And yeah. we love October. It is the best month. It's got We have gorgeous foliage out here. Tucson is cooling down a little bit, so it's more livable. And all kinds of, of people that have had these experiences with ghosts and everything else, cryptids, etc., love to tell their stories. So it's wonderful, wonderful month for us on Supernatural Girls. Of course, the paranormal to us is normal every week of the year. And tonight we have a very special guest who has a new book out about witchcraft. Her name is Dr. Linda Murphy. Now, Dr. Murphy builds upon the traditional tools of the witch to revitalize your craft and celebrate the sacred wheel of the year with a focus on inner and outer mastery. Now, through her book and through what you're going to hear tonight, you're going to learn how to connect more deeply with the ebb and flow of nature to draw down the sun, the moon, the stars, and all their faces, phases and attune with familiars and invoke the daily, the deity excuse me, within. Now, by exploring these great mysteries of witchcraft, you can grow into your most powerful and that's really what it's all about, isn't it? We love empowerment. And Dr. Murphy is a third-degree Wiccan, a high priestess, and an elder in the craft, in addition to earning academic degrees in history, anthropology, and geography. Linda has taught in both college and magical settings. You can visit her online at Magic Off of the Week. Excuse me, Magic with a K, of the week dot com. And so, Linda, welcome to the show. Well, hi. Or because I'm a, an A&M grad, Texas A&M grad, howdy. Yeah, howdy. <laughs> howdy, howdy. Now, you've got a, a great new book, Empowerment Through Witchcraft. And, of course, we have to ask, how did all this get started for you? How did you get into witchcraft? Um. You know, I get asked that a lot, and I've been doing it for over 40 years. I explored a lot of religions. At one point early on in my life, I wanted to be a nun. Oh. And the way I tell it is I was raised in the netherworld. I'm in the deep south. Raised in the netherworld between the Baptists and the Catholics. And, (laughs) you know, I got 
I got a lot of spiritual fulfillment, but nothing really made my soul sing. And various things led to a moment when a very dear friend from my undergraduate days, who is still a friend, put the book The Spiral Dance in my hands. Mm. And she said, she's not Wiccan, ironically enough, but she said, you might like this book. I read it, went out, in, and I still live on family property out in the middle of nowhere. And I went out and cast my first circle, and my soul sang. Wow. Everything in me just connected. And what I say is, everyone has a right to choose. Mm. Your relationship with the cosmos is between you and the cosmos. It is the most intimate and important one you will ever form. And so I'm not going to tell anybody what they should do. But I can say sincerely, in that moment... I wasn't reaching for something external. It was all about the energy flowing out of the uh, Mother Earth in me and around me, and I never looked back. How powerful. And so I just, once, it, it was a powerful moment. The fact that I remember it that well. <laughs> and then yeah. I started hanging, and again, I go way back. Um, you know, you didn't tell people you were a witch. They might hammer your cat to a door, which happened to a friend of mine. Yeah, it it, it did happen. We're talking mid-80s. It happened. And, yeah. So, but I managed to start making friends, and one of them was a very powerful ceremonial mage. And we hung together for the next decade. And I was a witch in the group. So I grew a lot, learned a lot, went from there. I mean, I can Gosh. get more detailed, but I don't know if you want me to. Well, did, you know, now, I let me ask you. So you had, a, you had a, a dear friend who accepted you for who you were and, uh, and who you are. But did you end up either creating your own coven or did you join a coven as time went on? I didn't. Um the group I was working with, and as you move through the late 80s and into the 90s, the group I was working with, we we were just various types of non-traditional practitioners. And we worked together. I got ready to go get my Ph.D. and went to Texas. And when I went to Texas, it's, again, I'm leaving out a lot of details. I met a man who was also a witch. By the way, a male witch is just that, a male witch. Okay. I'm sure there are guys out there going, thank you. Um, They're not (laughs) anything else. I've had lots of guys go, thank you. Male witches are male witches. Witch is not definitively feminine. It's just a witch. Um, But I met him. What is the term warlock? What is the term warlock about then? Is that what they don't like? That's what they don't, as a rule, don't like. They get called warlocks based on bewitched and charmed. Both shows I loved, but they would refer to them as warlocks, and a warlock is Mm -hmm. actually a pretty low-level impish demon. 
Oh, okay. Oh. Well, now I'd say that's what a like warlock that. is. But <laughs> a male witch is a male witch. Okay. So all Thank you male you for witches that. out there, I salute you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I met him, mm. and we started a coven there in Texas at his insistence. And I was falling in love with him, so I said, okay, hold it, whatever you want. Because I was still wrapped in the, you've got to hide, you've got to hide. We started a coven. Yeah. We held our first Lugnasa rite, very selected group, maybe 20 people. Mabin, which we just celebrated there in September, came around, and people were saying, would you please host another one? There were nearly a hundred people at the sacred one. No kidding, huh? And I big interest I looked, in this. Then. Well, I thought how hungry they are for something different. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're all treating me and him like you know we're gods. I'm like I'm not really. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know much <laughs> more than you do. I've just been doing it a while. Right. Um, and right. it grew from there. It grew from there. And uh, what a, then I started what, studying what is, under a Native Indian shaman, and things got intense for the next decade. Oh, I guess they would <laughs> with a shaman. Um, but let me ask you, it sounds like you know, from your first circle casting that you found yourself, and you were able, it sounds like you were secure in your path. Is that a good way to describe it? It is a very good way to describe it. From that moment on, I never looked back. Yeah, because so many people, and the reason I'm bringing this up, and I wanted to, to point this out to people, is that when you do find what's right for you and you embrace it, you get this high level of security about your life and every step you take. And that's what I heard when you, you talked about this, how wonderful for you that you it found is. it. Cause you, we all know, PK, you know, and I know, and Linda, you know, mm-hmm. so many people are, feel very lost and overwhelmed today. Yes. And they're just not sure uh, what they're actually doing and where they're actually going to be going. So this, having this deep spiritual experience and connection and identified path makes all the difference in the world. It does. And when I was working with a lot of students, magical students, you know, they come. Part of what this book is about is just that. Words of wisdom, the most important spell you ever cast will be the one that creates you. They come and they Mm -hmm. expect to make the world change around them to meet their will when the truth is, You're supposed to be changing yourself. And I never had a problem with that, and I think that's where the security comes from. I think people who are secure in their spiritual faith way are the ones who go, oh, I messed up, or oh, that was bad. What can I learn from it? Right. You know, what did I do? What did I do that I now need to correct inside me? And that was kind of the inspiration of the book. You know, work on yourself. Don't try to change the world. Yeah, right. It's not about manipulation. Now, what about your family? It doesn't sound like you came from a long line of witches here. Actually, not completely true. Um, 
my father's family is dominantly Irish, which is where mm-hmm. the Catholicism comes from, and uh, mm-hmm. Native Indian. They're uh, Choctaw and Chickasaw tribe. In fact, oh, my okay. grandmother was a half... I'm going to use this expression not to be offensive. She was a half-breed, half Chickasaw, mm-hmm. half... Um, in, well, half Irish. And mm-hmm. so they would never call it witchcraft. But they practiced all kinds of folk medicines, folk magics, folklore. And mm-hmm. so they would never call it witchcraft, but that's what the basis of witchcraft is, using the natural energy around you to make your life a little better, to fit yourself better into the flow of life around you. Uh, my mother's family was more traditional, very, very English in their heritage. Both families have been in this country since the late 1700s. So, you know, you get a lot of folk practices. And I was then raised by parents who were very understanding of their weird little kid. And they never <laughs> said, you know, when I said I saw a ghost, they didn't say, oh, there's no such thing as ghost or get scared. They'd look at me and go, and what did it tell you? Oh. Mm-hmm. They encouraged me to Wonderful. explore that side, yeah. Boy, that's so, fantastic. You got lucky there. I did, and so me and my siblings were raised that way. My nephews were raised that way. And now my great-niece and great-nephews are being raised that way. And I see a security in them about who they are. And again, their path is theirs to walk and choose. But they Mm -hmm. don't have doubts about certain things because of that. Just the ability to say, I saw or I talked to, and have other people go, really? What did you say? What did you talk about? Did you know that person? You know? Yeah, that's a nice level mm-hmm. of acceptance and exploration at the same time. Oh, that's tremendous. That really is. It and now you mentioned was... Go ahead. the connection between the Native American traditions mm-hmm. and witchcraft. They are quite similar. And they... what surprised me, and I think, PK, you were surprised too, when we had a gentleman on who was an apprentice to Mad Bear Anderson, who was a shaman in right. the yeah. East Coast. Mm-hmm. And we were very, I was, I don't know, I shouldn't speak for you too, PK, but I think we were both surprised no. to <laughs> hear about the lie. witchcraft that was being practiced because apparently there was a lot of jealousy um, and people were jealous of Mad Bear and his ability to work with people and and be the powerful shaman he was. So they throw curses at him and all kinds of stuff. And, oh, my gosh, we heard the most amazing stories about all that. But it was very shocking to hear that this was going on in Native American tradition also. But I guess we shouldn't have been surprised because the traditions are so similar. They are. And when I first started working with the shaman that I worked with, and we worked together for a decade, um, and I loved him fiercely. The, one of the first conversations we had, he looked at me and he said, you're a witch. And I said, yes. Yeah. 
and he said, you know, we were just talking, just having a conversation, and it came, animals came into play. And he said, that's one of the things that the Native Indians and witches seem to have a lot in common is the reverence and the place we put animal spirits. He said that we do it slightly differently. You know, it's not exactly the same, but there's a reverence toward the overall animal spirit Mm -hmm. and what role animals play in our lives. Mm -hmm. And the other things came up over time. We Mm -hmm. cast, which is cast spells. Shamans don't cast spells. They do a different kind of magic. But Mm -hmm. to me, witchcraft is witchcraft. You know, all well, mm-hmm, pretty much exactly. all Wiccans are witches, but pretty much, but you can count on it. Not all witches are Wiccan. Yeah. Okay. Now another um, story that we heard, which was very telling, about Native American use of these types of things, came into play with the um, Oklahoma Girl Scout murders. Now we did a couple of shows on that, and. One of the the things that happened that uh, was was very amazing to us and was the the Native American shaman who was involved at the very end of the story. What had happened was the man who basically slaughtered these three small children at Girl Scout camp mm-hmm. um, was arrested and he was then let free. He wasn't let free because he was in jail for something else, in prison for another crime he committed, kidnapping two women. But he was still in prison for that, but on this charge, he beat the charge, which was horrific. However, this uh, Native American shaman did a ceremony, and in the ceremony what, and I guess this is a bit of a difference, between uh, Native American ways and uh, witchcraft. However, it's it's interesting what happened. He he did this ceremony, and, and basically the thrust of it was that the person who committed these crimes would die. And shortly thereafter, this man, who was still in prison, was jogging around the prison yard. He was a young man with no known heart problems. And I believe he was in his 30s. He was young. And he dropped dead of a heart attack after this shaman did his ceremony. So we can call it, like you said, whatever we call it, ceremony or spell casting or whatever, but that's what happened. So very interesting. And so, again, traditions that are so closely related. Yep. And I can tell you that the shaman I worked with, he and I, many years later, in a deep conversation at 2 in the morning, we're talking about dark magics and blood magics and what justifies doing that, because there are justifications for it. Mm -hmm. And I had done one once for someone who harmed children, and so had he. Uh, it's like if okay. you're gonna, you know, I, my attitude is worship little grains of sand if you want to. Now, if you hurt children and animals, that's a different story. We're going to talk. Oh, right, it is. And I can yeah. even cut slack to, you know, Asgard and and Santeria occasionally. A goat or a chicken has to go down. 
but he and I both had taken the attitude that, you know, someone who hurts children and the law won't do anything about it, I will. Mm-hmm. And I'll take whatever karma backlash comes with it. And he and I had both done it separately, totally different from each other. It worked both times. Well, and I have to ask, I mean, why should there be a karmic backlash from something like that? You're stopping a predator exactly. who is and there you know, wasn't one. <laughs> you have another victim, you know? There wasn't one because in the end, <clears throat> my attitude was, so be it. So might it be. I am going to protect the innocent. They deserve their life. That's and right. they deserve to not be predated upon. I never got a backlash for that. Yeah. You Makes know? sense. And neither did he. We had a long conversation that night. Neither one of us ever got a backlash because the innocent need to be protected till they reach the age of adulthood and they're in charge of their own destiny. At that point, it's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yes, well, yes. I mean, it, it is a frightening world today, now more than ever, hearing about these young kids being kidnapped off their bicycles and trying to yes. walk home from school. I mean, it's unbelievable. Just doing so, what a kid does. And yes. Mm-hmm. It's very different I mean, than when I was growing up. Oh, us but, too. I mean, we used to drive, you know, take our bicycles and ride around until darkness came. And then, you know, we didn't have to worry about any of this. And now yeah. it's it's unbelievable. If I had children at this yeah. age now, I would just lock yeah. them up. I wouldn't let them go anywhere. <laughs> you can't. The little ones in my <laughs> world can't live the life that I or their parents lived. Um, because exactly. we'd ride all over. I'm out in the country, all family land, raised with my cousins and siblings. And we'd be all over the place. And as the sun set, particularly in the summertime, horns would start honking all through the, all through the forest <laughs> to call us home. And to come home. Yeah. Don't dare let a child do that now. No. No. That's for sure. And, yeah, part of what I see is my job, protect the innocent. They have mm-hmm. a right to be innocent until they no longer, until they are in charge of their own destiny. And where animals are concerned, you know, and that gets very tricky with meat eating and hunting because there is a way to do it with honor to the animal. But they're not in charge of their own destiny either anymore. Mm-hmm. They have a right to be protected from actual harmful acts. Hunting and all that is a little different. But people who just torture and harm animals. Oh, that's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Because we can't can't allow that. Yeah. So that's when, you know, I'll get real active about, I will take care of this problem. Good for you. We need more protectors out there. I didn't mean to go off down that tangent, but... No, that's okay you know, because again we've we've heard this before and it's it's always you know it's it's heartfelt you know when you're you're helping out 
the innocent and, and trying to protect them. They don't have a lot out there that's keeping them safe right now. No, they don't. And I could go down my environmental trail, but I won't. Okay. <laughs> now, the cover that you started years ago, is it still in practice or not? No. Um, we moved away, and there was a schism in the coven because they didn't know who was going to do what, where, and how. So there are still magical practitioners there, but it, I mean, it takes us A&M. It's a college town. Many people moved away. Um, so there wasn't really anybody left who dated back to that. Um, so that coven doesn't exist anymore. However, there are others that ultimately spawned off the original one. Oh, that's nice. And and many of the young people who were young then, and I taught, moved away and started their own magic elsewhere and run covens mm-hmm. and things. Um, and I have to tell you this funny little story. We were all gathered up several years at, later at sort of a reunion, and my ex-partner, husband, high priest, whatever you want to call him, and I were sitting outside (laughs) having a drink on a beautiful (laughs) spring afternoon with some friends who dated back and some young people. And the young people started talking about, well, this is why we do this, and this is why we do this. And they kept describing things that they had learned from us. And it took a minute. It's the way that old thing about, you know, the telephone story. It took a minute for us to realize they're talking about us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's so funny. But it must give you a good feeling, too, that you're able to shepherd some of these people who are interested in the craft, that you're able to to give them some, you know, some roads to follow and to how to learn this. I tell them. I'm good for a map and a good meal. <laughs> After that, you're well, kind of on your own. It's not my job to fix the mistakes you made. I can give you a map right. and a good meal. So you're the geographer of witchcraft. I am. I am. And I love my geography. And I always said That's I want great. to combine I want to combine my academics with my magic. Gosh, and you found <laughs> and a way to do that. that's what I'm doing. I found Gosh, a way to well, do it. I have to tell you this. It's kind of embarrassing, but I am geographically challenged. I, yeah, I can get lost anywhere. But that's wait a true second. Of a I lot of people. It. It, it is, that's but true. the funniest thing is my husband always would make fun of me about this. Thank God for GPS or I'd never be able to get anywhere and find my way home. So... Anyways, I did one of those genetic tests on 23andMe or something, and they told me in my test, it came back, that I was geographically challenged genetically. Oh, how funny. (laughs) And you went, okay, it runs in the family. I have an excuse. (laughs) It's genetic. I can't help it. So I'm always in awe of people like you. Linda, who uh, are so geographically astute. I just think that's, like, miraculous. Well, thank you. It comes (laughs) in my blood, too. My dad was a navigator in the Navy, and I could read a map before I could read words. 
No kidding. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and he would, he would take us out at night and teach us how to read the stars with, you know, oh, and the directions wonderful. and all that. But he was a navigator, but he was the one with that heavy dose of Native Indian blood. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's kind of critical when you live in a pre-technological world. Yes, you have to know how to do those things. Yep, and That's so right. it just came naturally to him, and he made sure it came naturally to two <laughs> of his children. My my younger sister, she was geographically challenged. <laughs> oh no, she's like me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I, I grew up, and my mother was, but she took after my mother more than my father, oh, and they were got it from very geographically challenged. <laughs> Well, I laugh about it, but again, now that we have GPS, I can laugh about it. But before the GPS, I was not laughing about it. So. Yeah, Anyways. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't even so, laugh wait. because I taught it for so long in college, and I'm like, that's upside down. You're holding that map of the United States upside down. <laughs> so I, I'm fully aware of the geographically challenged. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're everywhere. <laughs> I think you'd probably recognize oh. Florida's supposed to go to the south. Right. I would recognize that. You're right. That would not escape me. So when you begin um, to teach people, and, again, you have a wealth of information in this wonderful new book. Thank you. You you give a kind of a map in several different ways. You start out with all kinds of maps, actually, as I think back on reading your book. So it does, I think, make it easier for somebody who's just beginning, just learning what is the craft and, and how do you avail yourself to these natural energies. So, it's again, what you've done with the book, I think, is make it easy and also fun for people because part of the problem that we're experiencing today is this break with nature. And that's why no technology doubt. is, yeah, and technology has gone wild and crazy and will continue to spiral. Um, and again, what we're forgetting is we are connected. We're a part of nature. But to look at our society today, everybody's got their face in their cell phones, they're walking across the street, and they're in their own worlds. They are so broken off from nature. But that's a big plus with learning the craft, isn't it? It is, for me, very much so. And like I said, in that first circle, I felt so connected to all the life around me, from a blade of grass to the, you know, hawk in the sky. But I love to quote a student of mine from quite a few years ago. And we were going on a field trip to somewhere, and it was misty and rainy and cold, and people were going, I don't want to go out in this weather. And she was just beginning her studies. And she turned around and looked at everybody and goes, correct me if I'm wrong, Wicca is a nature-based religion, right? (laughs) (laughs) And she put everyone in their place in that moment, and I was so proud of her. Because those are just parts of nature. And to feel connected to nature. And I wish more people, regardless of their religion, felt that connected. By the way, today Mm -hmm. is the commemoration of St. Francis of Assisi. Mm. And talk about Mm -hmm. someone who was connected to nature. What a magnificent human being. 
Yes. Yes, absolutely. So when um, when you teach people or, again, do, do people come to you for individual classes? Let me ask you that question. Is um, that how you, you teach people? Okay. It started that way. I've kind of retired from it, but my it started that way. We actually set up a formal class at a uh, alternative bookstore, and then next thing we knew, things were growing out of hand. But mm-hmm. now it's more, it's almost Judaic. If they come and knock on the door and ask, I say yes, because if they're too afraid to ask, this is not the path for them, or I'm not the teacher. Mm-hmm. But when they ask, I'll say yes. And I do have people I work with, you know, not in the formal way I did before, but just people who want a little direction sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, again, part of the problem with our, our cultures today around the world, again, with this isolative situation, I mean, we're not only cut off from nature, we're cut off from each other. And yep. it's so helpful that we have the Internet and we can learn things online and yep. we can learn things from books. But sometimes it is important to have that personal touch with some of these things. I actually agree 100% with that. And, of course, the COVID shutdown made it even worse in terms of disconnecting people. And, you know, I was a very traditional teacher, both academically and magically. I wanted to stand in a classroom and look them in the eye. I want Mm -hmm. students, magical students, to be in the circle and see what I see and then let me see them do it, you Mm know. Um. I think it's very important to have those connections because there are certain things you can't get on the Internet or from a book. Yeah, because I think, I mean, there's something about embodying an energetic sigil. You know, it's like watching somebody do the practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much, so much you can get from that. But you got to be there. you got to feel the energy. you got to become You've a part of that. Um, Right. One of the most powerful male witches I know doesn't speak at all. He Hmm. he does his circle cast with a a guitar, and there's no question. Hmm. You can see the quarters as they go up. Um, But that's something you can't get on the Internet. You can't see what he's doing because you can't see that that power mm-hmm. so every now and then you need to go to a group event <laughs> yes that's good advice yes absolutely. every now and then go somewhere where someone's actually drawing pentagrams in the air right so they can experience the energy of it all and feel it so and actually yes. feel it yes now is witchcraft growing throughout the country we've heard it is it is. Um, everything I know, folk folk magic, y'all were talking about herbs and energy healing, that falls in the folk medicine category, and that is definitely growing. 
but that's mm-hmm. the age-old venue of the witch, regardless of what they call themselves. They're a witch because they're using the magic of the world around them. Um, but Wicca as a formal religion is growing. I One heard of it the was things, the fastest-growing religion. Actually, I've heard that, too. The same yeah, friend who gave okay. me the spiral dance, she and I are still very close. And she <laughs> she told me one day, I just read that Wicca was the fastest-growing religious religion in this country. And yeah. I went, I am not surprised people long for that connection to nature. Yes. Like that first formal rite that I cast, that I did, and how many showed up the next time because they're just hungry for it. Mm-hmm. They can feel it. And, and what you can feel in a Wiccan circle in a way you can't in many of the others is that connection to the natural world around you. And they're hungry for it. You mm-hmm. feel so connected to the world, to each other, and they're so hungry for it. And I think that may be part of why it's growing. That there are children now who are being raised in it, which is wonderful. Yeah, that is very interesting. That's, yes. Now, I had a question for you. Of course, it just slipped Uh-oh. my mind, but it'll, I'm sure, return eventually. Let's see. I was going to ask you something that was I thought was important at the time, and now where did it go? <laughs> that sounds uh. like me. At 2 o'clock in the morning, I'll sit bolt upright, and it'll be there. Yeah, a oh, brain that cell was what I wanted to ask. Really, really. Um, Well, let's see. I have a lot to say about all of this, but it's it is so important to let people choose what they want to do, and and how they want to do it. But again, I agree with you. The personal connection is important at some point. You have to integrate that with learning. So it's great that you're available to people. That's important to know. You know, I have contact information on my website. Um, so. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you. Okay, it oh. just came back. All right, here it is. <laughs> you know, we also have a lot of comments from our listeners about the financial instability that people are very fearful of right now, with yeah. good reason. And yeah. do you have any favorite castings that you could share on attracting money, creating wealth? financial stability, anything like that? Um, the way I answer it's going to be a little weird. First of all, if you just need a quick $20 bill for the evening, Scott Cunningham did a great little spell years and years ago. It's in, um, I think it's in his herbal book. So I'm going to put that out there for everybody. I've okay. It. It's a great one for me. Personally, if I'm really looking at wealth, first of all, you need to understand the difference between wealth and money. I almost want to quote Chris Rock, but I can't bleep out enough words. Um, okay. Because <laughs> he, he does a stand-up skit about wealth versus money. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite comics. But... Inevitably, it's about opening yourself to allow it to flow into you. 
so that you're not trying to yank it out of the universe. You're just opening up to letting the riches of life flow into you. And one of the first steps in that is recognizing what's what is what is this? What is it a richness? Um, I did that spell once. I did a spell once going to make me open to receiving. And no money flowed to me, but I found a whole lot of bargains, coupons, you know, just little things mm-hmm. that I, that's a form of money because I didn't have to spend as much for bread and milk as I thought I was going to. Oh, okay. So okay. let things flow into you and see them for what they are. Um, and that's why, in, you know, in, in the book, I'm, I'm about empower yourself. Don't try to change anything unless you need a quick 20 bucks for the evening. And then Scott does a great little spell. <laughs> okay. And that's in one of his books, you said? Scott I think Campbell? it's in his herbalism book. I think that's okay. the one. But it was in one, one it's in one of his books. And that's an old book, but it's a well-used and well-loved book in my house. Because, let's face it. The witches were the wise women and wise men who knew how to use the natural world around them to heal people, to make their lives a little better, and to feed them in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. And that's what a witch is. Wicca yes. is a religious observance. Okay. So, now I'm just thinking, too, a lot of people want to learn how to do spells to attract love in their life. Attract <laughs> I always say love right and partner. money spells. Are, yeah, the love and money spells are the two biggest traps in the craft. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and someone I worked with many years ago, as a very young student, he came to me, and this is a mistake all young witches make, I made it too. We all do. We cast a love spell on somebody. Well, first and foremost, you've interfered with their free will. Uh-oh. That can't be good. It, it is not good. And <laughs> the way I tell people is, you can do it. I, I definitely, I've seen it work. It worked that way for me and for him. And they're all about you for a lunar cycle. Mm-hmm. And then they're angry, and you have to keep recasting the spell. Rather than cast a spell on someone else and interfere with their free will, cast a spell on yourself, starting with, I love myself, and I am worthy of being loved. Oh, that's that's a nice spell. I like that. So then when you do something like that for yourself, you're really trying to raise your own vibration. Exactly. Raise your own consciousness. Mm Mm-hmm. Raise your consciousness, raise your confidence. And and we all know people are attracted to confident people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, if you look at basic psychology, look in the mirror every morning and go, I'm worthy of being loved, pretty soon you believe it. So do a spell. Do a spell. And don't just call or or love goddess. Call Mercury. Call the sun. Call the moon. Let them shine on you so that you can see how beautiful you are. Oh, that's lovely. 
So now that's coming from someone who made that mistake when I was a young, young witch. <laughs> and I've seen it work for other people. I'm not steady going, don't do it. They did it. And then later they said, how do I fix this? <laughs> and how do you fix it when you've made that kind of mess? How do you fix um, it? You start with, I'm so sorry. You know, you can do an apology spell. And you would do that on a waning moon. Please take this away from me. I apologize. Um, let them go and live their lives. Mm-hmm. And do that on a waning moon so it just sort of dissipates. And nobody's really angry or hurt. And that's important. It is. Because really you don't want to yeah. hurt people. I mean, most of the time. Oh, definitely not. Yeah. Most of the time. That's right. Well, you know. <laughs> Unless I catch him kicking a rabbit for no reason, in which case. Oh, well, then, okay. I'm sorry, but I must agree with you. Then something must be done. Yes. Something must be done. And I've looked at a person or two and said, I won't say it exactly how I say it to it, but I said, you just angered the wrong witch. <laughs> they did, too. They did. Yes. So love and money are at the top of spells, and there is a better way to do it, which we just mentioned. What other spells do you find uh, witches are interested in casting? What would follow underneath love and money? Um, A lot of witches want to cast spell curses. Okay. Tell us about that. And my first word of advice there is never, ever, ever cast a spell when you're actually still angry. Okay. Let your emotions settle down. Do it from a place of calm emotion. Like, I saw that guy kick a rabbit. I want to kill him. I need to settle down, calm myself, and if I think at that moment, once I'm calm, that he still deserves it, then cast the spell. That sort of thing. But curses, people, because we all get angry about many Mm -hmm. things. Um, I know this woman, she's a wonderful woman, and she's in her early 90s now. And she's she's so powerful, she just throws love at everything. I'm not quite that far along. She's fantastic. And she, I've watched her change everything with a simple throw and love at it but i'm not really? there for long yeah she just throws love at everything even when it's hard for her to love it she does mm-hmm. um again i'm not that far along getting there working on it uh, <laughs> that's curses. a very enlightened place to be i can only imagine it yes yeah she's she's a phenomenal person um the other one is healing spells of course People want to cast healing spells on family, people that they love, animals that they love. Um, And, you know, other than making sure you hit the right timing, go for it. And that old Wiccan rule, with their permission only. Uh Uh-huh. You know, once you have their permission, um... Make sure your timing's good, that you're not doing it at the wrong time, or that you've matched the timing. And that's when we get very lunar, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So the phase of the moon has a big effect on all of this. So I would imagine there's a place where you would consult either with another witch or some type of a book on which phase of the moon you want to do these healing spells in. Absolutely, if you want health to increase, a waxing moon. If you want to dispel um, ill health, use a waning moon. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell everybody who's listening, the best book I have ever had for that is the Llewellyn's Calendar that they publish every year. Oh, okay. I've I've been getting one for 30 years. And I've had friends go, where do you get that? I got it here, here. You know, I got this is the one I use. And they, um, they've they gotten it because they can see how useful it is. Um, but to make anything increase, a waxing moon. To make anything decrease, a waning moon. Makes sense. Yes. Okay. Now, PK, put that on our reading list. we got to get those. Yeah, each of us have that book. The Llewellyn's (laughs) um, Witch's Calendar is what it's called. They do a date book and a wall calendar. Oh, that's great. Okay. All right. We'll be calling Mm -hmm. them to get our copy because that is important. I mean, you want to follow the energy. They even say it's important to do it with gardening. And I never know where we are. Yeah, it's very important. And another book you can use. The Farmer's Almanac. Uh-huh. I know. Old-fashioned, but I've known a lot of old farmers, and they lived by it. And it mm-hmm. looks at the, the moon. Where's the sun? You know, what's going on? When to plant, when to harvest. Right. Mm-hmm. When to plant and everything. Wait. It all should go along yeah. with that. Yeah. Yep. It all fits there. Here's another one. Anyone who does um, readings, and TK, I know you do them. I tell mm-hmm. people there are only two times I won't do readings. I won't do it during a Mercury retrograde. Here, let me just play games with the trickster. I won't do it, do it during Mercury retrograde, and I won't do it on trickster night. Other than that, I haven't noticed that readings are affected that much. Mm-hmm. When you say trickster night, what do you mean? October thirty-first up until oh, midnight. Halloween. Up okay. until midnight. So, that is trickster. That is the time of the trickster. Oh. And okay. then after midnight, after midnight, which is officially November first, you are actually communicating with those who have already left this reality. Okay. All and right. Always, so no readings. Yeah, I say, go have fun, let the kids have a good time at midnight, tuck them in, and go call your ancestors. Oh, that's great. You know, I don't know why we're getting counted down here from Blog Talk Radio, but I maybe um, uh. they think we're about to end when we're really not. But anyways, um, Linda, I'm just going to say thank you so much for a wonderful evening. This has been great. And you've got a new book. Tell us the name of the book that you're working on. Oh, the working title right now is Southern Fried Witchcraft, which Love is it. folklore and magic. Um, 
It hasn't right. officially been accepted by Llewellyn, but I am working with the editor on that. But oh, that's what I'm working on now. Well, please, keep us posted. We want to have you back. This has been an absolutely great time with you. Good luck with your new book, and everybody will be back next week with another great show. And until then, we'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. It was wonderful to talk with you all. Thank you so much, Linda. Good night. Um, Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.